This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Good to be back here. Swarmcast, I mean, we'll call it season two, I guess, Sean, uh, because it seems like we're going to be doing these consistently now with football season on the horizon and, you know, anticipation rising uh, for basketball. But David Eichel here, HawkeyeInsider.com, 24 7 Sports, along with my co-host, Sean Bach, recruiting analyst, reporter for HawkeyeInsider.com. Sean, it's been absolutely, I think, crazy last month. You know, I think before all of this uh, coronavirus and everything started, we were, I I don't want to say concerned about what we were going to cover, um, but, you know, it kind of raised our eyebrows about, you know, what, you know, the uncertainty of the future is going to look like, but it has been, I think, as busy of an off season uh, as it really ever has been. Yeah, there's definitely been stuff going on every day. Um, obviously, with all the, the Chris Doyle stuff that happened um, and all the racial allegations in the past month, that obviously kept things, things pretty busy. Um, and then, you know, with football too, football recruiting's picking up even without the official visit weekend. And now we're able to go see prospects on public. So that's made our jobs a little bit easier as well, my job a little bit easier. Um, so yeah, it's been, it's definitely been busy. Definitely getting, definitely getting our money's worth um, and keeping, keeping things, uh, keeping me sane during, during all this stuff going on. Now how's, how's Chicago? Is the restrictions pretty well, lifted for the most part or are they still trying to do like phasing back into it um honestly no one really knows at this point like what's going on I think (laughs) like it it's I think they're trying to do phasing and stuff but uh people are like we're we're going to the bars and stuff staying like the six feet apart like those Mm -hmm. kind of regulations like being smart about it um but also trying to like get back to normal slowly but surely it's not it's not anything too crazy but it's 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 getting better, that's for sure. Yeah. So before we kind of dive into our first couple topics, we have a, a big mailbag uh, for today, so it's happy and excited about that. But right now, HawkeyeInsider.com, 50% off an annual subscription or a dollar for your first month. That's only four forty-eight a month uh, for basically well over, what, 230-some articles a month at least, Sean. <laughs> We've been putting out content at, uh, I think, an all-time high level despite everything. And with, you know – I think it's going to be an exciting football season, exciting basketball season, certainly an exciting basketball season. So all the details about that are on HawkeyeInsider.com. If you have any questions about that, you can feel free to, to tweet at me and I'll get back to you or, or everything else like that. But, Sean, I think the, the logical starting point uh, is kind of what's been going on over the past week is Iowa announced that they have paused ticket sales uh, for the 2020 season. And they also reported nine more uh, COVID-19 cases, bringing the total up to 12 with, I believe, 342 negative tests. Uh, and not, not really a surprise, I think, Sean. And I think Gary Barta actually had a very logical perspective 
when they were talking about bringing the players and coaches back to campus, he said, you know, it's not a matter of if the virus gets back to Iowa City and on campus, it's a matter of when, but it's about how do we handle it when it's back on campus. And I think Iowa's done a pretty decent job of trying to, uh, you know, take things over. But I, you know, I think I've, I've talked to you about this a couple of times. And I've said it, you know, on numerous radio shows. And I've written about it. I'm fairly, I'm pretty optimistic about football season. I've been more optimistic than I think most. I don't think it's unrealistic. Uh, but what's kind of your take on football season in, in Kinnick? I mean, I'm in the mindset where I think the, I believe 40,000 season tickets are sold right now. I'm in the belief that the 40,000 season ticket holders are going to be able to get in and they're going to find a way to get students. But what are you kind of thinking right now uh, about, you know, potential football in Kinnick? Yeah. So there was probably, I would say maybe a two, like two hour, three hour span where I was kind of like, Oh man, like, is there going to be football this year? Like we hype all that stuff up for nothing. Like now with all these new tests coming out, but I started reading into it more and, then Brandon Marcello, our, one of our 24-7 sports national writers, came out with a good piece that said, hey, like the conference officials, like the higher-ups in college football are saying, you know what, we're planning on having football. Like we knew going into this that there were going to be a couple positive tests. And the big thing for it was not to be to freak out. Like you just got to stay calm. You got to kind of let the virus pass through and see what see what goes from there when you got these guys. Because – I mean, the whole point of social distancing was to not spread the virus and to flatten the curve. Now you got people coming together, making more contact with people. It's inevitable that you're going to have a couple of positive tests here and there. It's just the coaches can only do so much while the players are in the facility and around the program. So in like at the end of the day, it, it falls on the players being smart and just being respectful and just knowing that like that they need to be that this virus is still out there and that they need to be, they need to be safe and they need to be careful. They not, they not, they need not to be like just going out, like doing whatever. Um, I'm not saying anyone's doing that, but I think you look at some of these tests and I know like LSU and Kansas state, mm-hmm. maybe just Kansas state. And then Texas people are kind of saying, well, players are like going out doing whatever. And like, that's fine. Like if you can be smart about it, but I think with all these tests coming in, I think, I think really, my my whole take on it is just I think it's it's smart I wouldn't say it's smart but I think it's better that they're getting there are positive tests now I mean not saying that there should ever be positive tests but I think fans need to realize that since they're getting positive tests now then they won't have to worry about it as much later on mm-hmm. um, during the season so. I definitely think just people need to relax a little bit. There's so much can change in a small amount of time. Um, so just people need to relax and just, just keep being smart about it. And then we'll be, we'll, we'll be fine in the end. Yeah. And I was going to say, Sean, you know, think about, I think Gary Barty even said this too in a previous press conference, think about the end of May, uh, you know, go back 30, 45 days into beginning of April, late March. I mean, we were, you know, really worried about football season, not saying people aren't worried about football season now, but we saw how much it changed just in that short amount of time. That's why when, you know, when we were a hundred days out from the season, I said, just wait another 50, 55 days. It's going to look drastically different. Wait another month past that. Wait till there's two weeks before the season. It's going to look different. While there's still going to be protocols in place. I mean, 
it's so hard to predict just because of how how weird this offseason in 2020 has been uh, in general. With that being said, I really don't want to get too much into what fans are going to have to do or anything like that. But I did want to bring up my, this point too. I said this on Twitter. I think a couple things that are going to be are going to happen. I think one, there's going to be mandatory face masks, whether you're in Kinnick or not. Uh, I mean, if you do go into Kinnick, there's going to be mandatory face masks. If they see you without it, they're going to kick you out. That's just a prediction. I also think that they're going to have liability waivers because a big thing is, you know, the, the university doesn't want to be held responsible if people pick up COVID and something bad happens. And my third and final big point, Sean, I think you'll agree with this too. Even if there weren't allowed to be fans or a very, very limited fans in Kinnick, like the high up donors and families of the players or whatever, there's a lot of people that still go to IOC just to tailgate and be with friends. And the university can't enforce that. Think of Melrose, think of the neighborhoods. There's going to be tailgating. That's just because people have been cooped up for so long. They want to see everyone else. And it's going to be hard to really contain that. And Gary Bart has already said he does expect some form of tailgating this year. Uh, he basically said it's going to happen, but there's going to be certain, I don't want to say restrictions, but there's going to be certain adjustments. So I thought it was important to dive into that. I think that was some of the big news this week. But uh, let's flip to the basketball side of things real quick before we really dive into recruiting in our mailbag, Sean. Uh, Iowa voluntary workouts came back June 15th. Uh, and if people don't understand what voluntary workouts are, let's get one thing clear, Sean. I think you'll agree with this too. They're not voluntary. They are, but they aren't, right? I mean, you have to go. Uh, but what this basically means is – that the coaches don't have any direct contact, but they're allowed to use the facilities. They're allowed to go lift weights. They're allowed to run pickups, uh, pickup games. They're allowed to host shoot arounds and, and play five on five with one another. Coaches are going to be allowed to have contact, uh, you know, meetings and all that starting July 20th. But the big news, obviously, Sean, I want your take on this. I mean, Luca Garza's back in Iowa City, as you know, I kind of said that I think 11 to 12 days before I confirmed it with his father, Frank that Luca is back in Iowa city with his teammates uh, gearing up. And right now, as of today's Facebook live on Thursday, Fran, you know, alluded to the fact that he is planning on Garza returning uh, until told otherwise. So let's kind of dive into Luca Garza. What, what's kind of your take surrounding Luca right now? I mean, I, I still think he's going to return for a senior season. Yeah. And I think that's been the thought of almost everybody, um, even the fan base and, I think people kind of expected it too, based on the year he had that he was going to test the waters. Now, obviously, that doesn't confirm that he's going to come back or it's, he was never really a lock to come back. But I think the general consensus, just based on NBA mock drafts, now NBA mock drafts are honestly a lot different than NBA teams' mock drafts and their mm -hmm. big boards. Um, so I think people need to look into that a little bit. But then again, I think you look at what NBA scouts have said about Garza, you look at what just media and NBA draft experts have said, and it's it's not looking favorable right now for him in that regard in terms of guaranteeing him getting drafted. Now, maybe a big senior year, um, he shows something a little more, I don't know, versatility. I mean, he's definitely a guy that can play outside or in, but he's more of a true post and maybe a little more improved vertical. Who knows? Something that can really spark an NBA team's eye and that gives him a better chance to get drafted next year. And I think this upcoming year could give him that possibility of, you know, I'm going to come back. I'm going to show what I can do and prove that last year is not a fluke and 
improve on it. So I think I think I agree with you, Dave. I think he's coming back. I don't really see a possibility where he leaves unless something crazy out of the blue happens. Um, but I I do think that coming back is not only the best case for him, or it is. I think it is the best case for him. But obviously, it's the best case for the team as well. And he's taken note of that too. He said before that. Uh, I think he told Gary Parrish that like, hey, like I always I'm always thinking about the possibility of me coming back and just how good we can be next year. So you know that he has that in the front and probably even in the back of his mind, front and back of his mind, um, because Iowa could have a legitimate shot to be a really good Big Ten team if the defense ends up improving. Um, if Garza were to come back just because of all the weapons they have on the offensive end and just how talented that that group could be especially on the perimeter as well um so it's definitely definitely something to keep an eye out for the next couple weeks I know Fran McCaffrey said today that he could see a decision coming really soon um that I don't know if that'll be next couple days next couple weeks who knows um I don't I don't know exactly when the day to enter the draft is what what day is that or the day you have to pull your name uh it was supposed to be either 10 days uh before like post combine or August 3rd but, uh, and by the way, just for people to, to be, clarify, once they withdraw from the draft, they cannot talk to the agents. They can't talk to the NBA scouts. So that's why a lot of players, even though they might know their future, they're still in the process because they want to continue getting the feedback from the team. So August, th- August 3rd is the actual uh, date. Right. And you don't, you don't expect them to wait that long, right? No, I, I, think, I think within two weeks is the final decision. I, I've always thought mid-July was going to happen. Maybe, I don't know what day it would be. I mean, I, I'd say anywhere between July 12th or July 15th would probably be some of the more likely days. Um, but I agree with you. And I thought something that stuck out about Fran's conversation with Laura Vandenberg uh, today was a Facebook Live on the University of Iowa. Uh, I'm sorry, the Iowa Hawkeyes Facebook page was, he said, look, he, Fran said if if Luca had gotten the chance to play in the Big Ten tournament and the NCAA tournament and led Iowa on a run, he very well could have played himself into the NBA draft in, in even late first round. Now, I don't think he would have been a first-round pick. I think he could have played himself into being a mid-second-round pick. But I still think Luca would be going about it the same way as, hey, if I'm not getting a guaranteed roster spot in the NBA, I don't want to go because Luca's an interesting case. He is not – money is not a factor for him. Uh, as we've reported and a number of other outlets have reported, he's already turned down a lucrative overseas contract uh, in Europe. Okay. Money is not an issue. And I think being the greatest player in Iowa history, uh, a chance to be Iowa's all time leading scorer. If he has, if he averages 11 rebounds a game next year, Sean, he could be Iowa's all time leading rebounder as well. Uh, so I think that's another thing to keep an eye on as well. And he knows, like, if, if, if Luca led Iowa to a Final Four, I mean, that you're propelling him into the Big Ten greats, especially if he becomes Iowa's all-time wing scorer. I think legacy, it's going to have a little bit of an impact on him. And, again, he's just, a different, he's just a different breed. And I know we've kind of hammered that point home, but it, it really is true. So I would anticipate a decision uh, coming in mid-July for that. Uh, but we'll probably touch on that a little bit later. I, Sean, I do want to get your take right now uh, on this this week. On actually, just yesterday, the twenty four seven sports uh, basketball rankings came out, and what would you say? Iowa's number one target, Peyton Sanford. Yeah, probably top overall number, target. Yeah, that's. I mean, especially because he's an in state guy. But 
Yeah, I'd say he's at the top. So Sanford now is number 138. I think you could have argued that uh, Gabe, uh, I don't even want to try to pronounce his last name, Wisnitzer. Wisnitzer. All right. All right. I didn't yeah. actually massacre that. Uh, I think you could make an argument he was 1B, but obviously he reclassified this week and committed to Louisville. Not a huge, I mean, a little bit of a shock. Uh, but it was kind of obvious, at least to me, and I think you and a couple other people, that he kind of wanted to go 2020. Uh, but, you know, it's a good case for him. But give us the kind of breakdown on Peyton Sanford, kind of where things stand with him, and if you think that, you know, his rankings justified. Because I, I think he has a high upside. Yeah, so I'm going to start with his ranking. That I think 138 is probably a pretty good estimate, or not estimate, but – Probably a pretty good spot for him. I, I always saw him as kind of a top 150 to 175 guy. Now I think if we had AAU and we could have got a little more eyes on him, he probably would have been a top 125 guy. I think I think the big thing about Peyton is you look at his size. He's six foot eight now. He's grown two inches in about the past year. Um, he shoots the ball as well as anybody in the country that I've seen. Um, and I've seen a lot. I've seen a decent amount of players over the past year and past two years. And I've never seen a guy really – just shoot as well as he does with his with his mechanics and the way he shoots it mixed with just how quick he can shoot as well his release is probably one of the quickest in the country and it's so smooth too like it's just like the same release almost every time he can make some tough shots as well that's one thing I really liked about him um he can shoot over guys he's getting a little better at creating off the bounce he can really shoot it when he doesn't have much room um, just a guy that's just going to be a reliable, reliable three and D guy at first glance. But once you start to watch him a little more, you can kind of see some of the other tools come into effect. As I said, he's a guy that's getting better at creating off the bounce. He's a guy that you can put into really any system. And I think Iowa's system is almost perfect for his play style. It's kind of like a CJ Frederick or a Joe Wieskamp type role because they're they're similar players in a way. But I think Wieskamp, looking at his high school film, he had to do more off the bounce mm-hmm. than Peyton does for Waukee. Um, so, and then defensively as well, one of the things he's been really improving on is that lateral quickness and his length obviously helps him guard multiple positions. He can guard a five guy if need be. Prefers to probably guard the two through four, but he can also guard the five if he has to. Um, but just a guy that I think would be honestly a great fit in any college system. I think – if he gets an offer from Blue Blood, I don't know if he will, but if he does, he'd be a, like a Speed Mikhailuk type guy at Kansas. You just plug him in there and he can shoot threes. He can also keep you honest off the bounce. He's just got a lot of tools, a lot of tools that you like in a Big Ten player. Now, in terms of his recruitment, I've always felt good about Iowa's spot there, especially him being getting the first offer, or Iowa being the first offer. Utah's a school that you need to keep an eye on. Um, that staff has done a really good job making him a priority, um, really just constantly in touch with him, had him up for an official visit last fall. Drake's making a push a little bit, but I expect him, I expect him to go high major. Um, no offense to Drake, but I think, I think Peyton's, I think a little bit better than that level. Um, Drake's a great program, no doubt, but I think Peyton's a guy that wants to play in the big 10, wants to play in that high major conference. Um, and I also could see what – I'm also interested to see what schools try and jump into the mix maybe this summer or a little bit before his decision. I know Stanford is a school that he's really – really or that one that's been paying a little close attention to him. 
Um, it's not easy to get an offer from Stanford. You got to have grades. You obviously got to be a good basketball player. Peyton's got both of those, but the staff wants to see him a little more. And I think that's an offer that could definitely shape his recruitment up a little bit if it ends up coming. But as of right now, I think a decision is probably going to come either in the fall or maybe even, I don't know, a little later than that, probably before mm-hmm. the high school season. Um, that's when the original date was. And obviously with the official visits not being able or no visits being able to happen here in the past couple months, that's kind of delayed things a little bit. He's thought about pushing up the timeline a little bit to maybe like in August, September. But I think now things possibly starting to clear up a little bit. Um, it's kind of an awaiting game at this point. But I think if things start to clearing up, we could see more visits. But who knows at this point? But I think I think right now the three schools you got to keep an eye on are Iowa, Utah, and Drake. But I I put Iowa and Utah at the top there. No, for sure. Uh, and he'll he'll be a definitely a target to watch. I mean, I you know looking back at some of his film. And by the way, how tall is he now? You say he's what six eight now? Introducing the Two Way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the Two Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the Two Way for yourself at NewBalance.com. Yeah, he's six eight. I was gonna say, didn't he? I think what he grew like two inches over the past year or something like that. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That's right. I kind of remember you bringing that up. Uh, let's dive into some uh, some of the mailbag questions because we have quite a few. Uh, if we miss anything like big recruiting wise, we'll we'll touch on that a little bit. Uh, but let's start with what's the what's the latest with Deuce Hogan? Is he gonna redshirt or Iowa coach is that confident in Spencer? I mean, I'll. I'll leave it off. I think I think Deuce Hogan's going to redshirt. I think if he came to school as an early enrollee and there was actual spring practice, maybe he could have competed. Uh, and I, I've been high on Deuce Hogan uh, basically since Iowa, you know, got him in the fold extremely early, the first commit in the class. Strong arm, accurate, uh, can escape the pocket. Not a speedster, obviously. Six foot four, two hundred five pounds. Probably is as polished of a leader as I've seen coming into college, maybe across the board. I mean, his leadership, and I don't know how many stories we've written about, about it, Sean, but I think it's been all well-deserved. But I, what do you think? I think it's pretty safe to say he's going to red shirt and then they'll have a battle for the backup quarterback job uh, in the following year. Cause I think it's Spencer Petras's starting job to, to lose. Yeah. I, I, I don't really have much else to say than what you touched on, but I think with Spencer's experience, I mean, experience behind Stanley and the way that he's been able to adjust and learn the playbook the past two and a half years. And Kirk puts his trust in him too. He said yeah. that, uh, well, he said that, what was it? He, I don't remember exactly. Was it? Was it talking January? about the preparation? Oh, he talked about that's when he made the big leap. He's starting to look like a big 10 quarterback. Really the bull prep is when he took that next step. Yeah, and I think when you get that type of praise from Kirk, um, in the end, you're going to be the guy. So mm-hmm. I, I wouldn't focus too much on, on Deuce coming in and making a strong impact right away. Now, God forbid injuries happen. Um, that'll be interesting to see what happens in the backup role. Uh, obviously, you don't want to see Peters get hurt, but if, if something were to happen, 
Um, I think Padilla would probably be the guy just because he's mm-hmm. been in the program longer. And that's a guy I think people are sleeping on too. I'm, I'm a big Padilla guy. I think obviously he doesn't have the size and um, that most Iowa quarterbacks had, especially in recent years. But I think he's got a lot of intangibles that you like. He's got a pretty strong arm. He's pretty accurate, uh, makes good reads, can run it a little bit. Not necessarily a huge strength of his, but it's something he can do. Um, and he understands the playbook as well. So I keep an eye out for Padilla here in the next couple of years. But I think I think Petrus is the guy right now. I was going to say, too, Padilla probably has the best spiral on the team. I mean, he has one probably the tightest spiral of, of the quarterbacks. I mean, granted, we haven't seen Deuce Hogan throw live, but I remember being impressed when we saw him in the initial spring because, remember, Padilla was an early enrollee. Uh, and I th- and I think Padilla, I think I think Petrus is the guy for another reason. I mean, Peyton Manziel transferred immediately, uh, hang into spring football. I mean, I, I think that says it all on the board because there was expected to be a quarterback battle, and he left. So and again, great. It's it's for the best thing. I believe uh, Peyton Manziel's wife is in is it was in Texas, so he gets to actually be close to her, and actually they can start life together. Uh, so let's keep going down here. Uh, what former Iowa player would you compare Ricky Parks to based on his film? I'll, do you have a guy, Sean? Because I have a guy right now. Yeah, you go ahead. I think he's a little bit like LaShawn Daniels. Uh, he's not quite as big and powerful as Daniels, but he, I think he's a very good in-between-the-tackles type guy. He has a variety of moves, solid ball carrier, doesn't fumble. Uh, I don't think he's going to be a burner, but with that being said, he has enough of a – shiftiness about him he's got a lot of natural running ability where big plays can happen uh from him but he's a bigger guy and I mean if you're talking about a guy that could shock some people when he walks you know comes in the building if if Iowa does land Ricky Parks who's scheduled to commit on Sunday I think he could challenge for the number two or number three spot uh as a true freshman I mean obviously Gavin Williams Shad Bird uh and I know a bunch of other guys will have something to say about, but Makai Sargent will be gone. Ivory Kelly Martin, if he wants to return for his fifth season and not be a grad transfer, will have something to say about it. But uh, I, I think he'd be a very nice complimentary piece to, uh, you know, Tyler Goodson. Yeah, he'd definitely be – I think the three running backs – or the two running backs, the Williams, the Williamses in 2020, I think those guys are kind of similar backs in a way. Uh, mm-hmm. I think LaShawn's a little bit more of a burner, but um, they're pretty similar, I would say. A guy that a guy that could complement Tyler Goodson pretty well. But then again, I think Ricky's kind of that in-between sort of guy. A guy who can run between the tackles and kind of get some extra yardage, but also kind of run outrun you. I've seen on his tape a little bit, he's got those long strides. Um, he's able to make he's able to make something happen with the ball in his hands. Um be interesting to see how he how he does at Gaither this year but then again I think early enrolling or being an early enrollee would be a huge would be a huge thing for him because that's why he ended up going to Gaither is because he wanted to early enroll um, wherever Mm -hmm. at whatever college he picked so that's going to be big for him considering or especially if everything goes to plan that semester um, hopefully COVID's kind of and in the backseat at that point so yeah, I mean, early enrolling could be a big a big thing for him. And I, I don't want to forget about Shad Bird either because I think he's a guy that is also a good complement to Tyler Goodson and is kind of similar to Ricky Parks in a way. Um, so there's definitely a lot, of, a lot of guys back there that are going to compete 
for that backup job once the Makai and Ivo leave. So that'll be that'll be interesting to see what happens there. But I think I think Ricky's a guy that because he's early enrolling can make an impact. But I also don't mm. want to sleep on the other three guys that are already in the room: Lashawn, Gavin, and Shad. Yeah, and I, and I agree. I mean, I'm not saying he's a slow guy. I just like him as he he looks like he has a frame that you can put some more weight on. He could really be a a really good between the tackles guy. Uh, but you also don't want him to lose a step because you don't want him to become a single, you know, single package type guy where he can only run between tackles and not go outside. So uh, we kind of touched on this a little bit earlier, but will Iowa resort to asking fans to sign a waiver to go to games? I think that's going to be across the board uh, in college football in general uh, because the schools are not going to want to, you know, they're going to want to take as much risk off them as much as possible. And uh, it's a smart business decision and they should. Um do you have anything else to add on that, Sean, or is that pretty much pretty much good? No, I mean, as long as we get football, it doesn't doesn't really matter <laughs> to me. Uh, so, all right, we have another one. Uh, I thought I read somewhere Deuce Hogan was going to be featured on the season of quarterback one. Can you confirm or deny it? And then he has a follow-up question, but touch on this first. I mean, you've kind of heard rumblings about it, Sean, but I don't really want to go on – you know, I really don't want to go on one side or the other if, if he is going to be on or not. It's not something I don't think – I mean, I don't think you've directly asked him. I haven't directly asked him about it. And even if we did, I you know, if, if he was a part of it, I don't even think he'd be allowed to say if he was or not. Yeah, because, I mean, the whole – a lot of it's just like adding to the suspense. So, mm-hmm. I, I've definitely heard that rumor, but I can't really say for certain right now. Uh, diving in a little bit tight end recruiting, better feeling on Michael Trigg or – quote helms deep <laughs> to iowa <laughs> i like that uh sean i'll let you kind of leave this one off yeah i think i think gunner um or i know gunner is in the better shape right now or i was in a better shape for him um and I'm, i mean i know like michael trigg and thomas Fedoni, like those guys have skill sets that you can develop but i think gunner's similar to a way with elijah l burton where he's already got somewhat of a college-ready body. He's got mm-hmm. a Big Ten frame at this point. He's got kind of that traditional Iowa tight end sort of feel to him where he can line up and put his hand in the ground and block, and also he's fairly good in coverage. He's able to read coverage. He's able to shield off defenders, shield off smaller guys. He can. He's not necessarily one of the faster guys on the field, but he can outrun linebackers. He could catch over to cornerbacks defensive backs he's got a lot of tools that you like um and I know right now that Texas he obviously that's a school that's going to be one to watch for him they've made really big push I've heard that that the Longhorns are going to be tough to top um Wisconsin's taking a crack at him um he's visiting campus here today I think as we're recording this on Thursday and he also told me earlier today that he's going to visit Iowa City next weekend for a campus visit. Now what that entails is he's going to be able to walk around campus, kind of get a feel for everything, much like Joey Labis did. Iowa's 2021 quarterback commit. Um, not He's not going to be able to meet with the coaches as far as I know. I think the dead period's still intact, so mm-hmm. that's kind of a drag. But I think it's more to just kind of get a feel of everything and see what Iowa City is all about. So it's definitely definitely something positive. Now, I don't think he's a lock by any means. I think this recruitment could take probably a couple more months. Um, I think he wants to take like an actual official visit to his other schools. Now, I don't I don't know that for sure, but I think that's probably something 
he wants to look into. But then again, if I'm if I'm looking at Iowa's tight end targets, I think the most realistic option and the one that you want to put on the top of the board is Gunnar Helm, just because he has so many qualities that you like in an Iowa tight end. And don't don't let the twenty four seven ranking kind of confuse you a little bit. I think he's a guy that could see that go up here in the next couple weeks mm-hmm. and at the start of his senior season because he has so many intangibles. And if you want a full VIP breakdown of Gunner's game, there's there's one on our site um, that I talked to Clint Brewster, one of the evaluators of 24-7 Sports, who knows Gunner and his family well and actually played for the same high school coach as uh, Gunner Helm. Um, so that's that's something that you wanna you wanna read because I think it, Clint does a really good job of giving some background on Gunner and what he brings to the table and why I think he's a guy that you want if you're if you're Iowa. Yeah, and I think another connection too, really quick, is Cherry Creek. So same high school as Alex Padilla. Uh, so there's the connection there. And I mean, honestly, Sean, I think Iowa fan. I've seen this comment a lot on Twitter from Iowa fans. They really want to see Deuce Hogan to Gunner Helm just for the name combination <laughs> of throwing it yeah. to. It's pretty, it's pretty solid. And I'll say this too. I think you're right. I think Gunner's going to be a guy that sees his ranking go up over the next couple of months. I mean, he's a, a 28 offers, offers from Auburn, Georgia, LSU, multiple other schools. Now, how many of them are committable? You know, it's really tough to say. But the fact that he has an offer, I think, still shows a lot uh, about his skill set. And another question, a couple of questions we want to know about Michael Trigg. I'll kind of give a mini breakdown of it right now. Michael Trigg, I think, really wants to be a two-sport athlete, football and basketball, tremendous basketball player in Florida as well. Six foot four, uh, I believe about 215, 220-pound guy, big-time receiver, freak athlete, number three tight end, uh, according to 24-7 Sports, had 82 catches last season. I think if Iowa would have offered a couple months ago, I think they'd be in a lot better shape. I still think they're on the outside looking in. Uh, I don't think it's over, but like you, I think I think people should the top target on the board right now should be Gunner Helm, and that's not, you know, it's nothing against Trigan, it's nothing against Helm, but Helm is going to be I think a really really good college player, and he fits Iowa's system really well. So I would look for that, uh, like you mentioned, to kind of, uh, I guess I'll say bump up as far as priority goes, but he'll be a guy. Uh, you'll want to watch for uh Zio have a shot winning the west this year we'll, we'll really get more into that i think as football season gets closer i mean i haven't done a huge roster breakdown of of the other teams but iowa schedule does them no favor sean i think that's the biggest thing that's going to hold them back i think there's a lot of talent on this team but that schedule's i think a huge huge asking price to win the west with with what iowa's got I mean, you think about Minnesota at Minnesota is your first road game, right? And it's in big 10 play. And then you, and then middle of October, you have Ohio state and Penn state back-to-back road trips and Ohio state and Penn state are coming off by weeks as they play Iowa. That's, (laughs) I mean, I don't know who Kirk Ferentz upset in the big 10 office, but that's going to be, I think as rough of a stretch as, as anybody in the country has. Yeah. And I think, I think Wisconsin has one of the more favorable schedules in the Big Ten. I also think Minnesota does as well. Um, Nebraska's got a pretty nice schedule also. I mean, outside of playing eh, – actually, no, I take that back. That, that back got, stretch is hard. <laughs> yeah, that back stretch is tough. But um, Minnesota, I think, also has one that's not as difficult 
Um, they play on the road at Maryland. They play on the road at Wisconsin back-to-back weeks. And then, like, the back half of the schedule, I mean, it's tough, but those are definitely winnable games. So, and they got probably one of the better offenses in the Big Ten coming back, and then obviously one of the better quarterbacks in college football in Tanner Morgan. So, mm-hmm. there's a lot to like there, but – I think when you're looking at Big Ten West, and again, we're not going to take too deep of a dive. I think, I think right off the page, Wisconsin and Minnesota stand out. Maybe was I think Wisconsin more, although they're replacing Jonathan Taylor. I think like Iowa with tight ends. I think running backs to Wisconsin is a position you don't really have to worry about. Um, obviously, losing a guy like Jonathan Taylor stinks, but Paul Chris seems to always have, and just Wisconsin in general always seem to have another guy in their back pocket waiting in line that's gonna that's gonna blow up so I think I think the Badgers would probably be my safest bet right now now I could see Iowa depending on how their schedule goes and how like those tough road games go I think I think if you get one of those games and that's that's a lot that's asking a lot because Mm -hmm. those Penn State and Ohio State are probably two of the most explosive teams in college football. Now I think I, – I know Ohio State's offense is going to be a little better than Penn State's, but Penn State still has a pretty good pretty good group match that with their defense as well and their linebacker group that probably is going to be one of the best in college football next year. Um, mm-hmm. Michael Parsons asking, is a freak. Yeah, it's going to be asking for a lot um, to, to, take, to take one of those games. And – on the road at Minnesota is not going to be easy. At home against Wisconsin is going to be tough. Like, that's very well could be four losses right there. Um, and then you have to take into account, too, like they go on the road to Purdue. Um, they go on the road where they they play Michigan State at home, right? I believe so, yes. I think yes. that's – I think it's Halloween, Halloween weekend. Yeah, something like that. And I think it State's, is. Michigan State's got a new staff, and – they got some pieces that they need to fill, but they're still a pretty dangerous team. Like, and then even take into account Iowa State as well. I know people are talking about Iowa State and how Iowa should win that game, and I think they should. But Brock Purdy's gonna be one of the better passers, better quarterbacks in college football this year, and that's gonna be a team that has a couple weapons, especially a tight end, Reese Hall at running back, like. There's a lot of games that could go either way, and it depends mm-hmm. how Iowa does in those games. And then also you got to take into account some of these other games that are going to be toss-ups. Like they're not necessarily toss-ups, but games that Iowa should win, like against Northwestern, Illinois, even mm-hmm. Nebraska. I'd say, um, yeah, it's going to be it's give me no weeks off. Like there's going to be in, I mean, Northern Iowa is probably one of the better FCS teams in college in college football this year. So they're gonna bring it. So it's gonna be it's gonna be tough. I I definitely think looking at it more like you see it from the outside, you're like, okay, like I see eight wins, I see nine wins. But then when you look at it more, you're like, oh man, like I could see a scenario where Iowa goes six and six, seven and five. You know? Yeah, like I, I and a new I, quarterback, like everything. Yep. And I'll say this too. I mean, you can see a situation. I mean, I can where Iowa goes ten, two, eleven, one. But I could also see him going. Six and six, maybe worse. I mean, the the range is really extreme. By the way, slight correction. Uh, Michigan State is the first game of October. Iowa has Halloween weekend off before they go at Illinois, which is probably a really good time to have it. So they go at Illinois, then host Nebraska, go at Purdue, and then host Wisconsin. So they get kind of that one week off stretch before uh, the final stretch of the season. Uh, do a little bit of rapid fire here. Uh, 
With currently 17 verbal commits, what other positions do you think Iowa will try to fill out the 2021 class? They also mentioned they like running back, offensive lineman, tight end, one more wide receiver, and one more cornerback. Do you have any disagreements with that, Sean, or where do you think Iowa's kind of going? So, wait, sorry, what was the question? It was, what other positions do you think Iowa's going to try to fill out the 2021 class? And they said they like Ricky Parks at running back, Joe Alt at offensive lineman, Gunnar Helm at tight end, Skylar Bell at wide receiver, and one more cornerback. Do you have any disagreements with that? Uh, or do you think there might be a surprise in there? Well, obviously you got to put Michael Mislinski at center with mm-hmm. with the hype that Tyler Linderbaum's gone in the NFL draft. And I think Mislinski, a guy that may not be able to come in right away, but give him like a year to redshirt, um, a year to learn under Linderbaum. And he could have an impact. Um, And then you could see probably one or two more defensive backs. Um, I think it's going to be – it's going to be – I don't know. That's That will be interesting. Um, I think they'll probably take a flyer, like a late signing day type of guy. But also I could see them going in early. Because the defensive backs last year, I mean, D.S. Fernandez was a camp guy that they really liked. Kind of came into camp as an unknown, burst onto the scene with an offer. Um, Reggie Bracey was a guy that they had their eyes on for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, AJ Lawson, I think, is another guy that had their, they had their eyes on for a while. I can't remember exactly if he was a camp guy. Um, so that you're looking at that group right there. That I mean, DS Fernandez was the only for sure camp guy. I'm sure Lawson came in like another time or same thing with Bracey. I can't I can't remember exactly, but you're I think. Maybe you take an in-state guy like an Aaron Smith from Waukee. Maybe you take a guy from Michigan. Maybe you flip someone from a Mac school again. Who really knows at this point? That's I'm I'm if I'm Iowa, if I'm an Iowa fan too, covering or watching or paying attention to recruiting, I'm more worried about like a getting a Gunner Helm or a I don't know a Ricky Parks or Michael Mislinski. I think Mislinski is probably the most important target on the board. Especially mm-hmm. if you, when you look at how important, I mean, the center position is to every football team that's ever played, but also Iowa, like, because Linderbaum, without Linderbaum last year, I mean, I know he may had some hiccups here and there, but his upside is so high. And I think Mislinski, a guy like that, is a guy that you can plug in here in like year two or something like that, and he'll find a way to make an impact and make your offensive line better. Um, so, yeah, I think. I think Mislinski's the guy you want to keep an eye out for. I think Alt probably could be another guy. I know I was very content, or I know fans are really content with the offensive line class right now, especially with David Cuff and uh, Connor Colby, but and then Bo Stevens, Jennings, Dunker, those guys. But I think Alt's like a potential. Just his upside is also really high, hence why Notre Dame yeah. has offered and Minnesota hasn't given up the fight. Um, Skylar Bell could be a difference maker in the wide receiver core. Like, there's a lot of guys that are still available on the board. So I'd worry, but honestly, I'd worry about Mislinski right now. I think that's the guy that you really want bad. Yeah, I mean, I throw in Gunnar Helm. I I I, I love Gunnar Helm's film, but I agree with you. I think Mislinski's huge, especially depending on what Tyler Linderbaum does. Uh, in relation to that last question, do you think the class finishes out uh, by filling? position needs or best players and athletes available? I mean, I, I think it's positional needs. And then if you get one more guy and a target falls through, then you take best player, best athlete on the field, and you you convert them to whatever you need. Yeah, no, I agree with you there. Well, it'll be interesting to see what what happens there. Um, personally, I think, I think you want to get like a true defensive back. 
but then again, I mean, it wouldn't it wouldn't be the worst thing to get just like a just an athlete and throw them in there. It's one of those things too, Sean, where you can only take so many flyers. And like I know Iowa fans have a lot of trust in Phil Parker, and they should because the resume speaks for itself. But at some point, you really don't want to only rely on that. You got to land top targets. And I, granted, Iowa had. I mean, they got Jordan Oladokun and they got Cooper DeGene, who I think are going to be two big time players at Iowa, productive players at Iowa. Uh, I really like this question. Uh, it'll be interesting. So let's it, let's do over under. Uh, well, Spencer Petrus had better numbers this year than Nate Stanley did in his first year. And uh, I'll kind of rattle off the numbers. I'll let you go first, Sean. I'll follow. Passing yards, 2,437. Higher or lower. Let me go first? Yeah, I'll let you go first. I'll follow you up. Um. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time, the Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. I'll go I'll go higher. Yeah, I'm going to go higher, too. I think there's too many weapons, uh, proven weapons, and I think Petrus has an arm that will be able to keep in touch with it. Completion percentage, 55.8. I think – can I take even and just be like, you know what, I'll yeah. take you – know, how about this? I'll go 56%. Okay. I'll go – over I think he can hit 58 percent in his first year because I think the tight end production will be a lot better next year and he'll have a couple security tar- blankets he'll have Tyler Goodson in the backfield as well in addition to okay. developed wide receivers okay but yeah I mean I was I was gonna say tight ends because Stanley his first year had fam but then again Hawkinson wasn't really like that wasn't his breakout year yet he was yeah. really he was really reliable but it wasn't his breakout year uh Actually, Stanley's first season, I think Hawkinson redshirted because he remember he was a redshirt sophomore when he when he left for the NFL. So yeah, he didn't even have Hawkinson in his first year starting. No, uh, he, had, he had Hawkinson, didn't he? I all right, I'm looking this up. Uh, I'll continue on with this while I look this up. Touchdowns, twenty six. Um, I'm gonna go with. Less. Less? Yeah. Yeah, I'm I'm kind of back and forth on that myself. I think I will uh I'm gonna go less as well. I think I think he can hit 24, 25. And that's not gonna say that Iowa's offense will take a step back, but I think Tyler Goodson's gonna be big time. Uh yeah, Dave, he, played, he played ten games in twenty seventeen. Yeah, it was twenty seventeen. I forgot he was twenty sixteen class. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, he had 20 – he had, what, 20 catches that season? 24, yeah. 24? Yeah. 20 yards, yeah. Three touchdowns. Interceptions, six. Um, I, I'm going to go – I think he'll have more. Yeah. I, I, I'm in the same boat as you. I think he'll have I think he'll have, I think he'll have seven or eight. And it's not going to be all his fault to some extent. I think that the Iowa schedule and the talented 
backfields they're going to play against. I mean, it's a tough ask for anyone. Sacks, 25. That seems like a lot of sacks to me. Yeah, it does, doesn't it? That's over two, about two a game. Play 13 games. Yeah, I think I think it'll be – I think it'll be less. I'm going to go under. Yep, I'm going under as well. I think that, again, they got the weapons, and I think Spencer can escape the pocket a little bit better than Nate could in his first year. Uh, I'll skip the rushing yards one because that's just funny to me. It was negative 115 when you've taken into account all the sacks. Uh, yeah. Record, eight and five. I think they go nine and four and win the bowl game. I hate agreeing with you, Sean. I, I'm really upset that we agreed because I was going to say I think yeah. Iowa goes nine and four. We didn't. We didn't plan this out either. Like this. No, is I'm the top of my head. This is. I'm shocked that we actually agreed on a lot of those. Uh, uh, okay, really, really quick rapid fire because we gotta get out of here. Uh, any potential surprises in the two deep this fall? Give us a few names of potential rising stars for the 2020 season. You need a second or you got them? Um, let me think. I'm trying to think of some like possible. I don't know if it's a surprise, but I think I could see Jamari Harris at corner in the two deep. Um, mm-hmm. I don't – I can't really think of any like surprises. I mean, Spencer, you, I think if you consider Deontay Craig a surprise. Oh, I really yeah. Think, I mean, like, freshman, I think Craig, yeah. I think Craig could push for it. Maybe not at the yeah, beginning of the I, season, but I think he could push. Yeah, I think I think Yell Verton maybe too, but also, like, mm-hmm. I like Josiah Miamin and Sean Byer, I think is going to come along nicely this year. So, I don't know. We'll see. You want a hot – maybe not a hot take, but, you know, I think somebody that could make a difference this year, I think Ivory Kelly Martin could make a difference in the backfield. Uh, yeah, no, I could see that. Change of pace guy. Yep, I think him he and, did. Him and, him and Tyler are like the same – not this – I obviously Tyler I think is on a mm-hmm. different level, but I think Ivo can make – can can find a way to get in there. Try and think. I think, again, John Wagner is not necessarily a surprise – I don't think, because I think he'll no. start. Uh, trying to think, well, I mean, what Jack Campbell, but even maybe Seth Benson at linebacker. Yeah. You know what? You know, I'll, I'll go on a flyer, Sean. I'll go on a flyer. I'll take one chance. I think Justin Jacobs pushes for playing time this year. That'll be interesting. I I think a lot of people would like that. I know a couple of people have been texting me what the deal with him not playing is, and we'll see. I think that's another that's another potential sleeper guy. He's up to 230 now, by the way. He came to Iowa at 200 pounds. So, Jeez. yeah, he's, uh, he's, he's really bulked up. So, I think those are a couple names. Again, Iowa's established at receiver. Uh, I think – I don't want to say they're established on the line, but they got grad transfers to fill some needs. And a lot of guys I'd project, like Dane Bell and Davion Nixon, uh, they already gave me there. The only other guy maybe I could think of, Sean, is Kevon Merriweather. I think can make a difference at safety. He's still raw, but his athleticism and his physicality, I think could, you know, really help him uh, carve out a nice role uh, for the team. So a couple quick basketball questions and we'll get out of here after Fran's press conference. I don't think, I don't think you watch it, Sean, and I, but I don't think it would change your answer anyway. Are you more confident Garza will return? I'm still, I'm still about 90% sure Garza comes back next season. Damn it, Dave. I was going to say I'm 90, 10 as well. (laughs) 
I said that yesterday on a radio show. So I was like, yeah, I'm, I'm just going to go with that. <laughs> I can't believe we uh, really uh, agreed this much. Uh, favorite Iowa basketball jersey colorway, all gold. All gold. Yeah, I like the all golds. I like the all golds, <laughs> but I also like, I also like the whites. I, yeah. I like the blacks too, honestly. Yeah, yeah. I, I like the all gold. I know it's very hit or miss for some people, but I really dig it. Uh, if Garza comes back, what's Iowa's regular season record out of 31 games? Mm, 20, 24 so. and – no, 23 and uh, 8. I thought you were going to go 24 and 7. I was going to say, Sean – we no. gotta stop. No, uh, twenty. I think twenty-three and eight. I think that's good enough for a two or three seed. I'm just, I'm just not sold on the defense yet. Like yeah. I know people are gonna be like, you gotta, you gotta go with the deep. Like you gotta go with their offense. Like whatever. But I think defense is gonna be the big indicator here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think, I think I, I hover between twenty-three and eight, twenty-four and seven in the Big Ten. I think that's gonna be more than good enough to, uh, to get you a two or three seed. Uh, I don't think Iowa gets a one seed. I think they're going to be a very – I think they'll be a low two seed, high three seed, but that still sets you up for a nice run. Sean, the only other thing we really kind of, I guess, for, forgot to do that I'll let you give a mini breakdown for is Iowa has extended a couple of scholarship offers uh, in the past couple of days. I know you have some coverage on the site, but if you would give us a quick, brief breakdown uh, of Iowa's two new – I'll say two new offers, but the two Minnesota guys, but uh, – if they want to read about the others, they can go to hawkeyeinsider.com for that. So give us a little bit of a breakdown of the two new Minnesota guys. Yeah, so one of the ones that they offered was Andrew Morgan um, out of there, out of Minnesota. Um, Iowa was the first time major to offer, um, so that means a lot to him. He's kind of a different kid, you know. He grew up on a farm. He uh, doesn't – I mean, he checks his phone like one or two times a day maybe – um, so he's kind of a different kid. He wants to go into like agriculture of some sort. I think that's going to be a big indicator. I think that's why a lot of those are, I know that's why like the Dakotas were kind of the first to offer and the ones to really express true interest. But Iowa, I think is going to have a shot here. It'll be interesting to see what happens. Um, one thing I like about Andrew, he's kind of a true big man. He can step out and shoot a little bit, but I think his, his main role um, at the college level is going to be, on the interior, he's about like 6'9", six, 6'10", six, pretty skilled, pretty athletic, can go up and dunk it, blocks a lot of shots. Um, you can see his highlight tape. He blocked the number two player in the nation, Shet Holgram, who's gotten like almost every offer in the book. So he's kind of a sneaky good athlete. I think he'd be – I know I talk, when I talked to his AAU coach late last night, he was saying that, yeah, I see some Adam Woodbury, Woodbury comparisons, not just because he's a white dude um, who plays for Iowa, but – He's a guy that just seems to have the same qualities when they're on the court. He's pretty gritty. He's pretty solid down low. He's pretty reliable. Um, has a lot of intangibles and a lot of tools that you want in a big man in the Big Ten. And he was saying that Iowa and Purdue seem to be schools that would be really good fits for him just because he's so similar with what they like to do with their big men. So that's definitely going to be one to watch. Um It'll be interesting to see how his recruitment kind of picks up because I know some schools have kind of laid off a little bit because he's kind of a homebody, not a guy that's going to want to go very far from college. He wants to do something with farming after school. Um, 
and so some programs don't offer those types of degrees so it'll be interesting what happens there but I think in terms of just on the court I think he's a really good fit for what Iowa does and another guy I really like too I'm I don't know if I'm pronouncing his name right but Will to sh- Will to Shedder to Sketter, something like that um another Minnesota guy also happens to be Morgan's AAU teammate with the Minnesota Heat a little more mobile than Morgan I think Will's a guy that can step out shoot it does it a little more consistently average like 35 and 13 this year in the high school level play against small school it's competition but I think even when you're putting up those numbers and you have the skill set that he has high major schools are going to start an offer you I I know that Iowa Michigan Minnesota Northern Iowa seem to be the top three right now then again I see him picking a big 10 school and I think there's gonna be a few more offers that come in but right now I think Minnesota and probably Michigan are in the best spot right now. I don't want to get too much flack for what I'm about to say, but I would say the Wolverines probably in the best spot right now. I'm not going to lie. I'm based off what I've, when I've talked to a couple people, I know he's not really close to a decision, but I think Michigan's one that you really want to keep an eye on right now. I think, I think that's going to be, that's going to be the team to watch. I know Minnesota, he grew up a big Gopher fan, but they kind of recruited him a little weird. So I don't know how, how much that really rubbed him the right or wrong way. Um, but I think I think if you're Iowa, I think the one that you got the best shot with right now is um, Andrew Morgan. So that's the breakdown of each of those targets. Any more targets, we obviously have it covered at HawkeyeInsider.com. Plug it one more time, 50% off an annual subscription uh, at HawkeyeInsider.com, $448 a month. Uh, again, over 200 articles, original content uh, a month. We'd love to have you join uh, the community that special is going to be going on uh, over the next couple of days. This is being recorded on Thursday, June 25th, but uh, you know, season's coming up. We're going to be churning out these hopefully weekly with, with things, you know, really starting to pick back up a lot of news. Uh, and obviously we'll have you covered from every angle with whatever goes on at the university of Iowa and the athletic program. But uh, until then, Sean, I think that was a pretty, Pretty solid podcast. That uh, that mail mailbag is a little bit bigger than I thought, but uh, appreciate the participation from you guys. And uh, you know, as always, stay tuned to HawkeyeInsider.com. But uh, until then, uh, David Eichelt signing off for HawkeyeInsider.com, twenty four seven sports. Thanks for listening, guys.